0: we're going to continue on with our series here called Simplify. Simplify, living in the rhythms of Jesus. And you guys know this by now. uh, This is our, our, our sort of theme verse. And every week we've been saying this together. So I do that on purpose so that it gets into our spirits and so that we can say, man, this Christian life It should be easy. It should be, not that we won't have trials, not that we won't have tribulations, not that we won't suffer, but in the middle of those sufferings, we have hope, we have a destiny in Jesus. As Carl said, we have a dream that we can hold on to, and then we hold on to it only to let it go so God can put it back together for us. So why don't we read this together? Come on with me. You ready? One, two, three, let's read. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Father, tonight we just want that word to resonate in our lives, in our souls, in our spirits. God, we want that word to come alive in us, Lord, not just to to have something to read, but something that becomes a living, breathing exercise in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, tonight we're going to talk about simplifying our lives enough to grow, and it's going to t- talk about spiritual maturity and what does that look like and, and how do we simplify our lives or slow down our lives enough to grow. As you know by now, simplifying or un- the unhurried life that we're going through is really orchestrated by Jesus. Jesus says, hey man, you've been running so hard and I really appreciate all the things you've done for me. Now let's do some things with me. Come on, somebody, right? I mean, we do so many things for God. And I think God allows circumstances to come into our lives so that we can slow down enough so that we can say, I want to now do things with you. I've been doing things for you. I want to do things with you and in your rhythm and in your timing and in your grace. And this is really what Jesus is saying. I want you to join me. The lifestyle you've been living is so hectic, so busy, so rampant with stuff, you're filling your calendars because it makes you feel like you're doing more things for me. In actuality, I want to invite you to come along beside me, slow down, simplify your life so that you can grow up with me. This is really so good. Eugene Peterson said this, maturity cannot be hurried, programmed, or tinkered with. There are no steroids available for growing up in Christ more quickly. Impatient shortcuts land us in dead ends of immaturity. Isn't that good? When we try to rush God, when we try to rush our dream, when we try to rush the thing that we know God's called us to do, when we try to rush it, we take a shortcut, it always ends up at the same place. A place of a dead end, immature place that it becomes so all about us. We become very narcissistic, we become very self-centered, we become navel-gazers, and it's just, poor me, oh me, uh, you know, it's all about me. And that that is so evident in our lives when we try to take a shortcut and not do what God wants us to do in His timing. This is a great quote, we need to grow at the pace of grace. God has given each one of us a a measure of grace and a measure of faith. And he wants us to grow at that measure. You can't grow like I grow, and I can't grow like you grow. We have to grow at the pace of grace that God has given each and every one of us. And there is. There's a rhythm to your life, and you know it as well as I do. You're you're different now than you were 10 years ago. You're different now than you were as an adolescent. You're different now than you were as a toddler. Uh, as, As a parent, I look at pictures of my kids. I'm like, oh my gosh, I blinked. And they're going to college. I blinked and they grew up. There's a season, but that doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. And the same thing goes with spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity, there's no formula for it. It can't be franchised. It can't be hurried up. You can't take a secret pill and make yourself all of a sudden mature, you know, mature in Christ. You can't, it just doesn't happen that way. We need to grow at the pace of grace. Grace. This is fascinating. I remember about 10 years ago, I read this verse, and I marked the date in my Bible. Luke chapter 2, verse 52. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And I thought to myself, how in the world could God, Jesus, as God, grow in wisdom? I, yeah, I, I guess in my mind, I thought Jesus showed up, and he's just going to act out the part of being a baby. But in reality, he was really God, and he knew everything that he was doing. I'm going to cry right now. Yeah. I'm going to be hungry right now. Yeah. You know, no. He came just like you and I come, but without sin, as a child, as a baby, and had to grow. In wisdom, Jesus even modeled spiritual maturity for us. In other words, he didn't come as a baby and say all right, I got this all figured out like some weird, freaky meme, you know, on Facebook, like when a baby is doing things a baby shouldn't be doing, like up and dancing, like that just looks weird. Uh, it's funny, but it looks weird. You know, Jesus didn't come out like, hey, I got this thing, I got this thing, I got this thing figured out. I'm, I, I, it's fascinating to me that God allowed Jesus to even grow with himself. He grew in wisdom with both God and man. Imagine this. Jesus modeled for us this slow, unhurried pace of living life and not bucking against its rhythms. Take your time. Jesus did. We didn't even hear from him for 30 years. He lived this anonymous life where, you know, we eat little pops here and there, but we didn't hear from him for 30 years. He took his time. What was he doing? He was growing up, (laughs) he was maturing. He was allowing the rhythms of life to teach him as a human. He was just being human. And all of a sudden, this revelation of like, hey, this is my son. Do what he says. I'm well-pleasing him. Wow, Jesus' ministry gets launched. It's just fascinating to me. Growth in goodness and in Christ-likeness is a steady day-by-day, footstep after footstep journey. I'm telling you, in our microwave society, we want to, you know, throw in a maturity bag and put it on 30 seconds and just watch it pop to fruition and then just eat it and enjoy it and share it with all of our friends. Oh, you're so mature. I know. I got the new maturity bag and I put it in the microwave and it only took me 30 seconds. Doesn't it smell good? Doesn't my maturity smell good? That's probably the first sign that you're not immature. It's telling everybody how mature you are, Right. We can't hurry it. It is step by step. It's a process. Just like when you're playing sports, you know, you're playing golf. The first time you picked up a golf club, I promise you, you're better now than you were then, right? It's just a natural progression of something that takes place over time. Slow down, simplify your life enough to allow God to mature you. Let's keep going. Growing up takes time. Now spiritual maturity, as we know, can be developed through several things. Trials, the first one. How many are going through trials? right? Trials, man. I mean, Michael did such a good job tonight just identifying, hey, I want a son. I want a child. I know there's other prayers like that in this room even. I want to be healed. I need a kidney. I need breakthrough my finances. I need direction in my life. I got a dream I'm holding on to. I mean, these are trials. God uses these very things to grow us up in maturity, How you respond in those times doesn't have to be perfect. You can be real and raw and honest and true and share your feelings. But know that it doesn't end there. That God has got an internal plan that he is still working out in your life. That's just where you are today. That's not your eternity. It's just where you are right now trials. Second thing is people. People come into our lives. Leaders, pastors, mentors come into our lives and help us mature. I had a funny story. I was such an immature jerk at like 38 years old. It was just a few years ago. And uh, I had started working for uh, a, a gentleman who actually became my best friend and my mentor. And, and I, I didn't like him at first. He was, he was an ass. I just didn't like him. He, he, he was right all the time, and he was wicked smart, Um, but I just, you know, those people that just kind of rub rub you the wrong way, and you know, they're just so freaking smart. You just, Mm. I just, anyway, I got mad at him one day. I stormed out of the office, and I went to mow my lawn, and uh, I had this big John Deere tractor and several acres of land, and I was mowing the lawn, and, and uh, he pulls up in the driveway. I'm like, this guy's got some nerve. I just told him, you know, where to go, basically. And here he comes. He gets out of his truck. I shut the, 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 the um, lawnmower off. <laughs> and I said, hey, man, what's up? He said, hey, I want you to know something. People in my organization do not respond the way you just responded. And I'm coming here because I see something in you. And if you'll let me, I'll help you develop that. I'm like, golly, all of a sudden, what I thought was a guy who had to be right all the time was a guy who actually wanted to disciple me. People come into our lives that you may not like. But in actuality, they're instruments of God to say, Dave, I'm going to use this Guy, you can't stand, and I'm going to put him in your life, and all of a sudden it dawns on you, this guy is actually going to help me get to where I need to go. From then, I listened to him. I started to glean from him. I started to to be, and he became not a boss. He became a mentor. You see the switch? I got off the tractor, and I said, man, would you forgive me? I responded incorrectly. I responded uh, so immaturely, and that was the point. He didn't say it, but I knew what he meant. He goes, you're immature. You're immature. And I'm going to help you develop a maturity in you that will last for eternity if you'll let me. How many, how many of us have people in our lives that challenge us that way? You know, that say push us a little bit to be better. It's like a good coach. You don't really like them, but man, you're thankful for them game time comes, you're thankful they made you run those extra suicides. You're thankful they made you run those hills. You're thankful they taught you how to breathe. They taught you how to eat. They taught you how to drink. You're thankful for them when it comes to game day. This third thing is leaders. This, this, this sort of goes along with that. Uh, uh, finally, blessings. Blessings actually help us mature. Did you know that? I know sometimes you're like, man, we're all in liminal space and all of our lives suck. No, there's some people really enjoying life right now, and that's good. I mean, we need to say, i am entered into the room. I figure like I'm in the party. I feel like God has blessed me. I feel like I can now encourage others who are on that threshold to come on in. Don't give up. Don't quit. It's going to be so worth it if you'll just stay in there. Blessings help mature us. It's God's way of saying, look, I love you so much. Just think of all the blessings that you have in your life. I provided you a job, a roof overhead, everything you need for today I've given you. Isn't that his promise? Why do you worry about tomorrow? I promised you I would take care of you today. You're still here. You're still here. I'm still here. Think of the blessings of your life. I had the privilege of, of speaking to the leadership team, actually the corporate office of Way FM, a couple weeks ago. What a privilege, man. I felt like, uh, man, I was, Josh, I was in my groove. I was t- speaking leadership stuff, man, I was encouraging. I was talking about blessings in the workplace and how to communicate. And I mean, I'm like, man, this is what I'm created for, man. Yeah, yeah, I'll go talk to these people. I showed up. You know, I didn't say that. I'm just like very humbled. I was very honored to take, the, to take the, uh, the appointment. Through that, I remember looking back into my life, and I remember just a few years ago, I would have tried to manipulate and leverage that one instant to see if I could make something good happen for me. Anybody like that? You know, you get an opportunity, you're like, I'm going to leverage this thing so that I can make it benefit me. And I realized as I look back the blessing of being able to speak there, I began to say, I'm just at peace. If this is the only time I get to speak to these dear people, I'm okay with that. I'm good, I, and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm growing up, I'm 46 years, 40, oh my God, I'm 46 years old, I'm 46 years old, I'm growing up, yeah, maturity is the f- of a long and focused journey toward realizing that everything good can only be truly enjoyed in the only one who is truly good, isn't that good? I'll read it again. Maturity is the fruit of a long and focused journey toward realizing that everything good can only be truly enjoyed in the one and only one who is truly good. Man, I was so excited to speak to those folks. But I realized that the opportunity came through a friend and it came through God. That God orchestrated that. So my enjoyment, this is the transition, my friends. My enjoyment came in being able to speak and teach leadership. Yeah, I love that. But my enjoyment came in the fact that Jesus orchestrated and I got such joy in him. And I realized, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of growing up here. I've only lost two-thirds of my hair and everything's turning gray and I might be starting to grow up. The cool thing is when you realize that, You can look at someone who's not quite there and have so much grace on them and say, it's okay, I was you, I was angry, I was frustrated, I was clueless, I didn't know what was going on. Men, God used men, leaders, trials, and blessings to grow me up. Is this helping you tonight? Simplify, enough to grow. Consider the rich young ruler. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect or mature, Go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you'll have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. I think I've I've spoken on follow me before, but this word literally means I will take care of everything you need. So when Jesus called his disciples, he's like, follow me. What they heard in Hebrew was I will take care of you. All you need to do is trust in me. The rich young ruler says, there's no way I'm selling everything I have. He's actually, the Bible said, he went away very grievously because he was extremely wealthy. Jesus is trying to grow us up by letting things go. Letting things go help you into a spiritual maturity. Look, look, if you want to be mature... Remember the, the premise of this? Hey, Jesus, I've kept all the commands. Basically, I've done a good job. I went to Sunday school. I memorized all my verses. I got all the patches on my Iwana uniform. I, am, I got trophies, you know, for a quiz. I, got, I'm, I am good to go. I am ready. I am ready to be your disciple. I'm ready to be used in the kingdom. And Jesus said, perfect. If you really want to be mature... If, you want, if, if what you say, you really want to line that up with your life, then sell everything that you're attached to and then trust me to take care of you. Oh, 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 no, 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 no. I don't think so. Sell everything you have and trust me. Moving toward maturity in our spiritual journey may invite us into the willing loss of good things to which we have become attached. So, you guys know our story, right? We're good Midwesterners, working hard, had a great house, great neighborhood, great job, great people, great ministry, and I felt like God asked us, like he did the rich young ruler, not so many ways, but you really want to be mature, Lon? You really want to grow up in this Christian faith? Leave everything that's comfortable for you and take this adventure with me and I will take care of you. I mean, on paper, and generally my my personality is like, heck yeah, man, let's do it. Woo, let's go on an adventure. Yeah, woo. This time I'm like, holy crap, this is real. He's asking me to leave everything, and more importantly than me, my wife. I'm like, God, do you know her? I mean, you know her, right? She is not going to go for this. Her whole family's here. She knows nothing else. She's got a great job. She's got a great ministry. She's finally being poured into. She's being served. She's also serving. Do you know her? When Teresa said, you know, she didn't say yes, but she said, I don't have a no. I'm like, holy crap, this is real. God, I thought, look, I'll just be honest with you. I thought my out was going to be her. I'm like, are you crazy? No. Okay, well, not my problem. When she said, I said, hey, I think we're supposed to move to Colorado Springs and plant a church. She's like, oh, hmm, well, I don't have a no. Really? "Uh, Okay. Off we came. And she said, oh, crap. I got to ask you this, guys. Are there things in your life that you're holding on to, maybe inordinate affections, that are keeping you from growing in maturity with Jesus? Remember this word perfect, right? It means mature. It means coming into a mature place with Jesus. You want to grow up? Sometimes Jesus will ask you to get rid of things that steal your time. He might ask you to get rid of things that are, that are stealing your anointing, or stealing your, the time that you should be spending with him. Let's move on. Material things can stifle our growth with God. We begin to rely upon temporary fixes rather than a deep relationship with the Father. Hmm. This may be one reason that we are taught to let go of our rights and owners and realize that we are trusted to steward the Father's wealth. Are you holding on to something that's stifling growth? Are you holding on to some inordinate affection, something that just keeps distracting you from your real True goal. Man, how many times has God put glass in your nest? Says so time to fly. How many times do you feel like everything you touch just dissolves and fails? And it's not because he wants you to fail. It wants he's all he's doing is making course corrections. All he's doing is saying, look, I know that means a lot to you right now. I know that that was important to you, but I can see the entire picture. I see the mosaic. And if you'll just trust me and let that one piece go, I promise you this, this picture will be beautiful. What are you holding on to? Or are you holding on to something that's stifling your growth? The way we talk, the way we love. When we are mature in our faith, our words express love instead of control, kindness instead of harshness and exuberant joy instead of despair or hopelessness. You can always tell a mature believer by the way they talk, and not just how they talk, but how they love. What do your words say about your spiritual maturity? Look, there's times you're going to gripe and complain. I think God's big enough to handle that. But that's not where we stay. There's times we, we need to vent. We need to really share our feelings and our emotions but I can tell you that's not where you need to camp out. That's, that's like saying, oh man, there's an oasis and I see it. It's not a mirage. I see it, but I'm going to stay here and complain because I'm thirsty. Man, just get up and walk. You're so close. Don't get up. The point is not to stay in misery, the point is to allow misery and trials to teach you so that you can get to the oasis, so that you can be encouraged, so that you can see the party at the oasis going, I want to be a part of that. Now God, I know I'm here, help me get there. And when I get there, I'll be the cheerleader helping everybody behind me get to where I am because I know... Before long, my journey will take me out of this oasis, back into a desert, back into a liminal space, and I'll journey on to the next destination. You see the difference? How you speak determines a lot about where you are in your spiritual journey. I remember I, as you guys know, I, I worked by myself for five years. I, I was in a place, it was so desperate. I've never, I'm not a I'm not a, a depressed type of person. I never have been. I never dealt with that. And, I, and it's hard for me to actually relate to people who deal with depression on a constant... I, I know it's real. Don't get me wrong. I know it's real. But one of my weaknesses is I can't go there because I, I've never experienced it. I know that I can empathize, but I can't enter into... You, you guys know the difference. Right? I'll cry with those who cry and, and rejoice with those who rejoice. But this season of my life... I was so broken that Teresa can attest. I would sit and people would come visit me because they were worried about me. They knew that this was not Lonnie. They knew this was not my character. They knew this was not my personality. And during the season of my life, I remember sitting in my living room crying uncontrollably. I had no control over my emotions. I was emotionally wrecked. I'd go to work and I was laying tile. And uh, I remember not being able to see because my eyes were so swollen from crying all night. And I would weep and the tile would be just covered in my tears, praying to God, how did I, how did I become this? I was in youth ministry. I was going to be the next, you know, hot youth pastor. I, was, I had all these dreams. I had all these visions. I had all these expectations. And here I am in a guy's garage laying tile. Yeah, he put tile on his garage. Yeah, I don't know. He was just that eccentric. (laughs) Chucking 40 pound bags of some super secret mix that we take to steel mills. Traveling all over the Southeast for months at a time away from my family. God, what are you doing? I'm broken. I'm in trial. I realized that my language at that time was very complaining. I complained a lot. Until all of a sudden, the Lord said, if you'll find contentment, there's great gain. And I'm like, I'm not content. No, that's why you have to find it. It's not going to say, hey, contentment, here I am. I purchased 50 cents. I'm over here on the top shelf. No, no. It's you have to find contentment. You have to look for it. So I look for contentment. We tried to sell our house two or three times because it was such a burden on us. Could never sell it. I just, couldn't, I just couldn't sell it. And here I was, and all of a sudden, I told Tree, I'm just content. I'm happy. The Lord wants me all to himself this season, and I'm going to let him have me. And so instead of going to work complaining, I'd go to work going, I wonder what you're going to speak to me about today. Instead of being so bitter and angry because my ministry was yanked out from me, I thought, what did you rescue me from? That set my, that was in 2000, that set my journey. Of course, I prayed a pretty dangerous prayer. I prayed the prayer, God change my character. If you ever pray that prayer, just wait for God to change your character. It it will be quite the journey. That changed everything, guys. It changed everything in my life. My language changed when I learned to be content. And I went, not cursing my job, but saying, this is such a blessing. Thank you so much for allowing me to work here. How can I serve? How can I do better? How can I do whatever? whatever? Guys, suddenly I'm walking down the street. Our neighbor comes up to me and says, hey, my brother wants to move to this area. Uh, we live right, they lived right behind us. And he said, if you ever want to sell your house, let us know. He'd love to buy it. Just like that. I said, sure, it's for sale. <laughs> I didn't have to pay a I didn't have to pay a realtor fee. I didn't pay anything. I I'm mean, like we got more, I'm like, holy cow, we got more money out of it from this deal than we ever could have imagined. I'm like, this is awesome. Almost instantaneously, I got offered a job that paid three times what I was making. Think about it. Almost instantaneously. We, our lives took a trajectory we got to enter the room and we were there for nine years and we were in this room and we were enjoying this room and then one day the Lord said hey, I got another journey I got to take you on are you ready? yeah, Father, I'm ready my life changed by my language I didn't, I didn't change my language to change my life my language was changed because of, of something that changed in here you understand? It's out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. I didn't change my language to change my heart. God changed my heart and then my language changed. The things you know do not show your maturity. It's how you love. I don't care how much de- degrees we have. I don't care how many books you've written. Those are all good. I don't care, you know, how, what, how, how much you think you know. It's not in what you know because the rich young ruler knew everything. It's in how you love. That's the true sign of maturity. How do you love? Here's three things we can grow, guys. The first one is in our souls. This is really the depth and dynamics of my life with God and other people. It's your soul. It's the deep walk with the Father. The second thing is we grow in our hearts. How do we emotionally respond to God when he, when he talks to us? How do we emotionally respond and engage with other people? And finally, we grow in our spirits. The level of our personal receptivity and engagement with God. How receptive are we? Are we, man, I can't tell you how many times I've missed God thinking I was doing something for him. I've learned to be patient. I've learned to wait. I've learned to be, be silent when I think I should say something. I just wait now. And all it does, I'm not saying that I've arrived because Man, we've got eternity to arrive. (laughs) This is going to take a long, 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 long time. Uh, So don't worry about that. All I'm saying is I'm different today than I was 10 years ago. You're different today, hopefully, than you were 10 years ago. Something happened in your lives, a trial, a blessing, a leader, somebody came into your lives, put pressure on you, put tension on you so that you could grow up in Jesus. God uses all those things to do that. So we grow in our spirits. Will we seek, this is so good. Will we seek life deep and not settle for intellect deep? Come on, isn't that good? Let that sink in. Will you and I seek life deep and not settle for intellect deep? Have you ever talked with somebody who's got a story for everything? And I, always, I like to call them the one-uppers. You know, you're sharing a story. Oh, yeah, well, one time I did. And they, always, they feel like they got to one-up you because of their own insecurity, whatever. And, I'm, you know, you listen. You're like, oh, dude, you're so awesome. You're so much more awesome than I am. You're great. Awesome. Right? You can always tell somebody who hasn't had a lot of life experience, they have a lot of intellect experience. You ever notice those people? They can quote you something. They can tell you a story of someone else's life, but ask them what they've been through have no story. One of our overseers, Brock Meyer, his mantra in life is live your story, live your love, live a better story. Hang out, wait for something. When people are running out of a situation, you linger. So there might be a story. How are we living our lives? Are they deep, full of meaning and expression? Or are we just waiting for the next cool Twitter 140 character quote to come along and we can say, oh yeah, that's so awesome. And we Quote it, and we think we're cool. Live your life deep. Your life deep. Finally, let me read this quote to you. Christian maturity is not a matter of doing more for God. Man, guys, if we could sum up the simplified message, I'd have to say this comes pretty close. Christian maturity is not a matter of doing more for God. It is God doing more in and through us. Immaturity is noisy with anxiety-fueled self-importance. Maturity is quietly content to pursue a life of obedient humility. Isn't that good? Are we simplifying our lives enough to allow for God to mature us in the things he deems important? Is your life becoming... More sin, not just to say, "Oh yeah, I associated with you know the minimalist, or I associate with simplify, or I so- I cleaned out all my closets for the thirty one day challenge, or whatever." That's great, but it doesn't happen in your heart. You'll go right back to the old patterns and habits of filling your life with stuff that doesn't matter, avoiding where God really wants to take you in your maturity level. Now, granted, some of us, I, there's grace, guys, some of us just haven't been on the planet long enough to be mature yet. That's okay. The cool thing about becoming mature is you first have to be immature. All the young people can say amen, <laughs> right? I don't really want to be mature. That's okay. It's called the first half of life. Fill your barrels test it, fill it, because I promise you someday you're going to kick those things over and realize this title doesn't matter. Boom. But there's no way you can kick it over unless, first of all, it's filled. That's why we walk in grace. You walk in a measure of grace and you say, look at that 16-year-old. I wish he'd grow up. He can't. He's 16. (laughs) He hasn't been on the planet long enough. Let it be 16. We put people in their life. We help them. We coach them. But how many of you men know? I mean, I didn't have a freaking clue about anything till maybe 28. And then I realized, shoot, I really should have paid more attention in college because I really like it now. Take your time. Allow God to measure you and take you on a journey. The, the thing you, your responsibility, listen, guys. Older, or young in the room tonight, our responsibility is just say, yes. I'll go with you. I'll go on this journey with you. I know I'm immature. I know I'm young. I know I'm old and immature. <laughs> I know there's a million things I don't know. But man, I tell you, knowing what you don't know is so important. Just knowing what you don't know. It's just like, I, I know there's stuff I don't, and I, I want to go on a journey to learn it. That's a great place to be. It really is. Allow God to use you, to grow you up in his time, in his rhythm of grace. Take your time. Do it according to him. Do it according to his plan. Don't try to keep your eyes on him. Other people are at different paces in their life, right? They're going to do things faster. They're going to do things slower. That's okay. Run your race that's marked out for you. Let's stand together. Father, tonight we thank you so much for Worship, we thank you so much for your presence. We thank you so much for these bags of hope up here, Father. We can't do any of this without your presence, without your anointing, without your, your power, God. Heal us tonight. Heal us in our bodies. Heal our hearts. Heal our minds. Heal us tonight, Jesus. We bless you so much, God. We thank you so much for all the things you're doing, all the things you're teaching. If you would tonight, just put your hands on your heart. And let's just repent, first of all, as Michael said. God, repentance isn't because you're mad at us. Repentance is you just want to bring us to another level. So tonight, God, we repent. Lord, we repent for our language. We repent for just, just falling short, Lord. We just need you so much, Holy Spirit. So we come and we just say, Father, heal us. Heal our hearts. Heal my heart tonight, God. Heal it for your glory and our good. Heal it, Lord, so that we can do things with you and not for you. We pray that you would help us to simplify our lives enough to to grow so that we can mature, so we can find the rhythms that you want us to live in. God, we love you so much. We trust you, Lord. We're taking this journey with you at, at Keystone in our own individual lives. We just simply say, yes, we'll take this journey. We pray this now in Jesus' name, amen.